1: Hello, and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy, and that means that no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you are here for a reason. And I hope that something in the next hour lights your path and helps you move forward. So many of us are looking for practical solutions to unhappiness and dissatisfaction. There's that idea that if we could just crack the code, we'd be on our way to peace and fulfillment and everything would be great. Well, my guest today says that unhappiness can't be solved just by tweaking problematic situations. Psychologist Gail Brenner is joining me to talk about how When we focus on external circumstances in the belief that we're defined by those circumstances, that creates the unhappiness we experience. She believes that when we intentionally shift our attention away from the thoughts and the feelings that bring us unhappiness, all those agitated feelings give way to a more peaceful, more constructive frame of mind. Are you ready to meet her? Gail Brenner is a licensed psychologist with more than 20 years of experience offering psychotherapy. Her new book is The End of Self-Help, Discovering Peace and Happiness Right at the Heart of Your Messy, Scary, Brilliant Life. Gail specializes in working with older adults and their families, bringing clear seeing and compassion to the transitions of aging, death, and dying. She's authored and published numerous articles on coping with stress and chronic medical illness, and she's consulted with the staff of assisted living and skilled nursing facilities, as well as the general public, on aging, dementia, and caregiving. You can find out lots more about Gail and her work at gailbrenner.com. Gail, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, thank you. Me too. Maybe that's a good place to start, actually. What what does happiness mean to you? What What is happiness, really? So it's a common word in our culture
0: today. And of course, if you ask people, Anyone would answer. Of course, I want to be happy. So I love this question because it's really important to define what we mean. There's definitely that feeling of happy when something happens. You smile. You, uh, you know, it's it's you feel uplifted inside. But I use happiness in this context in a more general way of that deep sense of well-being. So I would say that happiness, peace, well-being a feeling of, of being okay inside, a deep sense of ease. These are all interchangeable words for that sense of just knowing that we're okay inside, that place inside of us that knows that things are just fine as they are. And when we tap into that place, that's what I'm calling happiness or peace. So it, it has different faces at different times, depending on what's happening. But that sense of ease and happiness and peace, that things are okay. That's what I'm calling happiness.
1: And it's deeper than just that momentary... Um, I'm going on vacation this summer with my family and I ordered a hat, a special sun hat, um, a silly looking hat, but it's, it's a delightful hat, just the same. And it came in the mail and it came and I opened the box and I tried on the hat and I saw it in the mirror and I could imagine myself on vacation and I was happy in my hat. And yet that hat isn't enough. I'm going to take off the hat and then go do something else. That hat isn't enough to create a lasting change. It's like a little blip on the radar sort of.
0: That's exactly right, and the, the happiness that we're talking about here today, and, and this is really a, the spiritual dimension of happiness, is is not related to objects in our lives. It's not happiness because we're in a relationship, or happiness because we've just gotten that special hat, and or we're going on vacation. These are um, these are expressions of it in the outside world. But the happiness that we're really, truly talking about here today is that deeper sense of, of being okay and of feeling at peace inside, no matter what is happening on the outside. Because so, so often we search for happiness on the outside in these objects, you know, relationship, the right job, the right um, uh, possessions in our home. But these things are temporary. And when we hook our happiness into these temporary objects that come and go, we're set up to not be happy. So if we can turn our attention inside and discover that there's an underlying sustainable sense of well-being that's always here, this is, this is true happiness, and this is here no matter what's happening in our outside world.
1: So are you saying that we could be going through incredible difficulties, illness, um, sorrow, grief, pain, and still be happy in this definition? I wouldn't, in that
0: sense, I wouldn't use the word happy, but I would use the word peace, at peace and being peaceful with it, being not in resistance, accepting. So difficult experiences arise and they're completely valid. Like if someone is experiencing grief, then, then that is their present moment experience. It's really about the, the place that we find this deepest peace inside is, that, is when we stop fighting with our own experience and we accept and receive and flow with what's happening. And then there's a great sense of ease. So in that sense, I wouldn't use the word happiness necessarily, but I would say that there's a, a there can always be a deep sense of ease no matter what's happening, even if what's happening is quite distressing and, and maybe even painful.
1: Because we are conditioned to respond to the things that happen to us, right? And so we, we respond to those things and then more happen and we respond to those and respond to those. How do we break that cycle of always defining ourselves through those experiences or through those things that happen to us?
0: And that, that's such a great question because that's the essence of finding freedom in every moment. So the premise of my book and this, Really, the way I live—it's not a belief; it's the way I live—is that this this peace that we're talking about, this happiness or well-being, is is available to us always because it's the ground of being. It's the it's the um, you know when we define ourselves by our thoughts that are often limiting and feelings and past experiences, we're contracted into uh, a sense of ourselves that isn't our full self and isn't actually true about who we are, but when we can expand our attention and realize that there's always available underneath all the turmoil that might be grabbing your mind, there's always this sense of ease, this sense of pure being that's here and available for us to tap into at any time, and and that's what's so amazing. You know, I often say that suffering is optional. We can buy in to these challenging patterns that we um, define ourselves by and then we have all kinds of problems and troubles and we go to therapists and we try to fix ourselves and eventually we figure out that isn't working. So we need to find a whole other perspective on how to look at things and that is to bring our attention inside and realize that there is this pure being, this sense of presence it's always here, and that's where this peace and well-being is to be
1: found. Can you share a little about your own journey? Because you spent many years and had many experiences um, on the on this search yourself.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, um, just by nature, and I, it's kind of unexplainable. You know, I don't know how to actually even describe it. I've always been, I've always had a curious mind about everything. And many years ago, right now this is about 20 years ago, I um, I didn't I wasn't on any kind of spiritual path, and I started oh. just by some chance reading about Buddhism, and I read something that said that the Buddha said that it was possible to find an end to suffering, and. I was suffering at that time. It wasn't huge suffering, but I was unhappy. I was reactive to different situations that happened in my life. I felt a lot of dissatisfaction and discontent just kind of generally. Um, And that idea that it was possible to find an end to suffering just completely intrigued me and something inside me lit up and I was absolutely on fire to understand that. I didn't understand it. I didn't know how that was possible, but something in me just said that is true and I want that for myself. So, so that was the thing that initiated my path. And I went through books and teachers and retreats and therapy and all kinds of, um, of, uh, of activities that we do along this path. And what I finally got to with a light bulb, finally, there were a few light bulbs, but one that finally went off was, oh, it's not about the next thing out there. It's about taking these teachings, these beautiful teachings that I was hearing and applying them to my own experience in the moment. So I started looking at, okay, what are my thoughts? How do I feel when these repetitive thoughts run through my mind? When I'm caught in a, Whirlwind of thinking. What's happening in my body? And is there a way to release from all of this? And I and I studied and experimented and sat, spent many hours just sitting on my sofa watching my experience and just seeing how can I not suffer? And I eventually realized that that the key is where you put your attention. And when your attention is glued in to these belief systems and ideas and identities. that that don't really serve us, they don't serve our happiness, they don't really help us in the world, but we we believe them because we're used to it, but we don't have to. And when we relax our attention away from from these ideas and and thoughts and beliefs, we're just here, we're breathing, we're sitting, we're watching, there's presence, there's aliveness, it's a fresh moment. And that's where peace can be found always.
1: There's that sense that, in that moment, we don't have to do anything.
0: That's exactly it. We, we're doers. You know, we think we're doers. And, we, we, and the doing gives way to the fixing. You know, we need to fix ourselves. We need to improve and become something we're not already. And that's a misunderstanding. It's really about discovering who we've already been. So it's bringing our attention in not to become something better in the future, but to say, well, what, what, how can this moment be a full moment? And by setting these identities and, and moving our attention away from painful thoughts, we realize there's just this pure being, we can rest here. There's no doing that needs to happen. There's being and life flows absolutely beautifully from this place.
1: Now your new book is called the end of self help and i I wonder do you feel like traditional traditional self help traditional self help teachings is that does that do a disservice to that search for the ground of being the inner peace
0: I want to say yes and no you know there are certain practices and and suggestions that are offered that um can be really helpful but like for example, for myself, I went through this period of time where I was doing a gratitude practice and and it was good it helped me to to tap into that natural gratitude that's that's always here and possible um although I didn't see it that way at the time you know if, if you decide to meditate and do a mindfulness meditation, it's a practice but it's a it's useful because it helps us to to be quiet and to center more in presence um so, so these kind of activities can be useful but the premise of self help i do see as a misdirection because self help means i'm a self who needs help and if i'm a self who needs help i'm not full i'm not whole i'm inadequate i'm wounded i'm broken and if this is the identity that you hold about yourself you're going to suffer so it's it's putting off happiness because when we hold on to those identities that, um, that we're inadequate, that we're a self who needs to be fixed or needs help. What is the experience in that actual moment? It's one of inadequacy, lack, not being good enough, wishing things were different than they are. And and that's the present moment experience. So we're waiting for happiness or peace to come at some future time. But the future is an idea in our minds. The future is now. The present, this is our moment right here in this precious life and when we're spending it hoping the next moment is a better one we're missing what's actually here so when we turn that whole thing on its end and we bring our attention here and we say, okay, my moment right now is one of, of lack. I feel like something's missing. I I don't feel like I'm good enough. I, I am afraid and I do feel like I'm limited. That's a good starting point because then you can see where your attention is going and, and why that moment is an unhappy one because you're uh, putting that attention and making real all those thoughts and, and thinking that's true about yourself. And Then there's this discovery of what's possible, which is that simple shift of attention. You take a breath, you let the thoughts go, you know that you don't have to think them right in this moment, and you realize that right here, right now, is just pure presence, and that's where peace is.
1: I think we chase... Uh, we chase teachers, we chase teachings, we chase uh, beautiful sun hats that we're going to take on vacation. If that one doesn't make me happy, I might get another one, and pretty soon my house is full of sun hats. We chase and we chase and we chase, and what you're talking about is rest, is, is the opposite of chasing. I am,
0: and and the way into that rest is to realize that in the moment of chasing, is a sense that there's something wrong or something missing, and that's that's the, our present moment experience. So the chasing or the searching, and I want to say there's a lot of paradoxes in this discussion. So so to want something, to want to know peace, to want to know happiness, is it? It's a beautiful um, uh, starting point. You know, it's a beautiful way to begin this exploration. But then the question is, where does the exploration go? Does it go out to the next teacher, the next technique, the next you know, mantra, whatever it is, or can we bring that attention in and begin to lovingly and gently look at our own direct experience in the moment? So it's it's really a, a shift, a 180 shift from looking outside ourselves and searching for that next thing and living. in if only I got it, I would be then at peace and then everything would be okay. Um, that's so painful. I've done that so many years. It's so painful to want what you don't have, as opposed to turning your attention in and realizing that what you have and what you what you want is already here and you have it. It's the key in your back back pocket.
1: Hmm. I often speak with people who are w- waiting to be healed, who feel that they have, um, that there are wounds and there are issues that have been um, inflicted upon them or they've in- inflicted them upon themselves and they're waiting for healing of those wounds before they can be released and live a full life. And I'm bringing that up because you say in the book, there are no wounds inside of you and no inner child to be healed and i wonder if do people come up to you and say how how could i not have wounds look at my inner child look at what's happened look at all the healing i have to do how do you how can how can that be how can we hold that people can think
0: they're wounded and then they can think that there's an inner child in there who needs to be healed so that's a thought and and it's um it's it's a valid thought in a certain way but then the question is well how do we go about healing that and and healing that thought and finding that we're really truly essentially whole we're just thinking that we're broken or that we're wounded but but the truth is that we're that we're whole there's a wholeness that's never been touched no matter what experiences have happened in our lives so the so the question becomes what do we do with all of that and in a lot of um, self-help books and, you know, I am a psychotherapist, but a lot of therapy out there, it, it, the idea of it is to fix the problem within the story of what happened. So somehow I come to peace with the fact that, you know, my mother wasn't everything I wanted her to be or that, you know, whatever happened in one's childhood, the problem can't be fixed in the story. And when I say in the story, like moving the puzzle pieces around, like getting a better relationship with my mother or, um, you know, um, how to come to peace with the fact that, you know, there was a divorce and, you know, that caused all kinds of turmoil. It's really that the story is not the place for the solution. The solution comes in recognizing that in the moment Right now, I'm thinking about things that that happened in the past. And when I do that, I feel broken. And then to go deeper with that and understand, well, what is the feeling? You know, when I feel sad about these things, what is the feeling? It's a story I'm telling myself in my mind and physical sensations. And what if I bring my attention into the body and just feel the physical sensations? And I realized that I can do that and just be here. And then the story of what happened begins to lose its power. So we begin to tap into our essential wholeness. And those thoughts, they're very conditioned. So I'm not saying this is a magically happening thing. You know, you just snap your fingers and everything's okay. No, it takes time because these patterns sit in us really strongly if we've thought about them for a really long time and we've lived as if they're true but there's, a, there's another deeper, more real reality, which is the wholeness that's already here. And we can live from that. It's here available, just waiting right there for us to, be, to live it in any moment. And then we don't think we're broken. We don't feel wounded. We know we, we, those thoughts and feelings come, but we can shift our attention and realize that the wholeness that we've always wanted all along is right here.
1: What are some ways that someone listening might start gently begin that journey to releasing the story connecting with that wholeness that's always with us
0: The first step is to is to realize to understand what a story is and to understand our minds and how our minds work So I I talk a lot about thoughts in my book and thought, there are all kinds of thoughts. There are beliefs, there are storylines we tell ourselves, there are expectations, there are um, ways that we think about ourselves, our inner language, some people call it the inner critic, how we speak to ourselves. These things are all thoughts and there, there are many, many, many different kinds of thoughts. So then we look at what is a thought? What is a thought? Which is a really great question, and it's not a question people mostly ask. So a thought, when you start to look at it, it's just a, an, an energy form with words to it that appears in the mind. And we, we tend to not have control over the thoughts that appear. They just appear, whether they're from conditioning or they randomly come into our minds. We don't have control over what thoughts appear in our minds but we absolutely do have control over what we do with that once the thought appears. So a thought floats into the mind and maybe it's a thought that's been, um, that one has been thinking a zillion times throughout one's life, like, oh, I'm so sad about that, you know, event that happened in my childhood. It shouldn't have happened. And if you live in that, it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened. And then there's There's frustration and pain and anger around it. That's a whole constellation of suffering, and and it's so painful. But if you can see that, oh, it shouldn't have happened, and then you can say, you know what? I'm going to make the choice to not go there, not go into that thought. This is what I do all the time. These thoughts come... Frequently for me, but I see it. I go, oh, that's an old thought. It's an old story. It's only going to take me down the road to suffering. I see you, thought, but I'm not going to buy into you. I'm just going to stay here in presence. And so, identifying that that that's where our attention is going into these thoughts, that's a really important step that can that people that can help people. And the and another one is to bring our attention into the body whenever we're caught up in the mind about the, about anything that's agitating or worrying we can always just take a breath and bring our attention into the body and to feel the sensations in the body that short circuits thoughts right away and that's a very good way to be with our direct experience of what's happening right now and it's a it's a portal into presence just be with our experience just be with those sensations
1: and it's interesting because sometimes when those thoughts come up, they can actually um, jolt us out of our body, right? They do, they do, the they, we're not grounded, we're not in our body, we've gone somewhere else, right? We've left the building with the thought.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So the thoughts can take us away. And then there's that moment of awakening that goes, oh, I've been taken away, I can return home and that return, that resting over and over and over again, every time, because this resting, this peace, and we might even call it love, this, this power of, of I totally called it the power of now, the power of presence, it's truly stronger than any conditioning, but the conditioning needs to realize that. Hmm. So our conditioning comes, so again, we return to presence. Conditioning comes again really strongly, uh, return to presence return to presence. In that presence, there's just an allowing, not avoiding, not resisting, not pushing anything away, just being this pure being, pure resting here as things are.
1: I love that. And the practice of that power, the wielding of that power, understanding that you have it and choosing to use it, that's how we become stronger. That's how we right. change, that, um, change that way of doing things that we have.
0: That's right. That's right. And it's a simple shift. That's all it is. So, you know, people say, well, what do I do? What do I do? It's a simple shift. You know, it helps to understand our experience. It really helps to understand how we suffer. Like you can stop in any moment if you're suffering and go, wow, how did I, how did I, how am I suffering? And you'll, you'll see that you've come to believe a thought system. You know, that, that's, it really gets that simple. Um, that you've come to to put your attention into believing the content of thoughts. So if you can separate out the content of thought from the appearance of a thought, that's really helpful. To, so there was a turning point for me when I just stopped believing the content of my thoughts. I just I just saw none of this is helping me. Now certainly there are practical thoughts, like I need to bounce my checkbook and I need to, you know, look at the GPS to figure out how to get from point A to point B. Those are very practical thoughts. And then that's a wonderful use of our minds. That's, then you go, thank you, mind, you're really helping me now. <laughs> but the thoughts that are constantly taking us away from presence and from peace and happiness and the fullness and freshness of this space that's here and happening right in this moment, those thoughts that take us away, those aren't the helpful thoughts. And I've come to a point where I just say, no, thank you not
1: interested you are listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager my guest is Dr. Gail Brenner her new book is The End of Self-Help discovering peace and happiness right at the heart of your messy scary brilliant life we'll be right back with Gail right after this I'm home and I love it I'm home where I belong I'm home and I love it I'm home where I belong. It's always nice to come home but these days many Americans are at risk of foreclosure and losing their homes Fortunately, help is available Making Home Affordable is a free program from the U.S. government that has already helped over a million struggling homeowners and we want to help you I'm home and I love it, I'm home, I'm home. Find out now what your home. options are. Go to
0: makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE.
1: The sooner you act, the better chance we can help you. I'm home, I'm home, Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Sassy, sassy. This week's episode, Danger at the Old Well. Last one to the old well's a rotten egg. Ha ha, I win. Whoa! Ah! Sassy! Johnny fell down the well. I'm wet. What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl. What? You'd rather use his time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold. People shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? Because shelter pets are screened for sound, health, and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? <laughs> what? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant?
0: Sassy! what do you say?
1: Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt. Come to the forest. It's a place not so far away. A place where you don't have to mow the lawn or babysit. I saw lizards and squirrels and bugs, Ladybugs, caterpillars. It's really cool, actually. A place where you don't have to make time for free time. Lots and lots of kinds of species here. Out here, you may even meet the mysterious creature known as the other you, the enchanted you. It's magic what flowers do. The adventurous you. My favorite tree, yes, that one. The free-to-be-me you. <laughs> Ask your parents to take you to this not-so-far-away place. Come to the forest, where the other you lives. But first, stop by discovertheforest.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio, EmpowerRadio.com. Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and we're in conversation with Dr. Gail Brenner. Her new book is The End of Self-Help, discovering peace and happiness right at the heart of your messy, scary, brilliant life. That book was just published and it is available on amazon.com. It's available as a, as a print book or as an ebook. And you can find out more about Gail and her work at gailbrenner.com. And of course I welcome your feedback, your comments, your questions about what you're hearing on today's show. And heck what you hear on all, all the out of the fog shows that you're listening to. You can always connect with me through my website, karenhager.com. Now, Gail, before the break, we were talking about the way that thoughts arise, thoughts come into the mind, and although we may not be able to stop them, we can change how we deal with them. And it made me wonder, where do you think those thoughts come from? If we can't control them, where are those coming from? Well, I think um, they
0: come from conditioning, the thoughts that, the very familiar thoughts, and you know, very few of our thoughts are new and fresh. You know, those are those insights that come or just a, you know, an idea from um, who knows where. But um, a lot of the thoughts we regurgitate over and over and think the same things. And uh, and there's a kind of deadness about that. And I think those come from familiarity, you know, because we keep thinking them, they keep coming. So there's that factor of conditioning. But I also um, think that there's a there's an unexplainable aspect to creative thoughts like if you have an, an amazing idea you know that you've never had before or you something dawns on you about how to fix something that you haven't thought of before it, these are fresh ideas and these come from this connection with pure being it's when our personal selves our personal ideas our need to figure it out and analyze and do, when that starts relaxing and that gets out of the way and we shed those needs to know everything, we allow ourselves to live in this space of not knowing, like, I don't know. I don't need to know everything. I, I can't know everything. Then we're more aligned with this natural flow of life that's, that's happening, that's emerging right now and in every moment and, and then who knows what idea? That's where creativity can arise. We can't, you know, when people take somebody like Beethoven, you know, who's, who, you know, incredibly prolific and creative and innovative at his time, it's too much for to think that a personal self could have written all of those symphonies. It's like he, he was somehow a portal for, for the, 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 the beauty of the, Universe of life to be expressed through him and his form, and these kinds of things happen to us all all along. We may not be writing symphonies, but we're um, when we're when we're our personal needs and desires and fears are more out of the way. We're not attending to the, those so much. We don't always feel like we need to go through our lives needing to be safe or getting approval or, or having all our needs met then, then we're, we're more relaxed, we're more aligned with the sense of being, and that's where the creativity can flow.
1: That's part of, at least as, as I believe, part of the power of a daily spiritual practice, part of the power of learning to shift your attention, learning to look within, is, is that I think part of what we're here to do is learn to get out of the way, and Absolutely. keep getting out of the way.
0: Yes. That's right. There's a few metaphors. I I like the word shedding, you know, shedding our identities. Like, we think of ourselves as limited... And separate and contracted, and I can't do it. You know, oh, I'm afraid of the bad things that might happen if I really just put myself out there and do the thing I'm dying to do. You know, we, when we live in that contracted way, it's it's very small and limiting. So there's, there's a shedding of those those beliefs Those aren't real. Those those don't have to define us. There's a there's an optional component to that. It's it's a, it doesn't feel like a choice, but it's a choice for us to believe those things about ourselves and there can also be a choice to again over and over return to this sense of presence and then there's a shedding of of that and and a clearing another image i like is the a window looking through a window and if your window is very smudged you know it has a lot of um a lack of clarity And, and there's a a lot of um of old patterns and conditioning that you're looking through and that's how you're viewing the world and not surprisingly that's what the world brings back to you you know that that troubles in relationships or or disappointing circumstances but we when we begin to clear those smudges up and we can see oh i don't i don't have to believe that i don't have to live my life according to that things begin to clear and then and then you're looking through a clearer window and then that's what's reflected back
1: and this is different than the practice of trying to change your thoughts, trying to catch your thoughts and change them. Here comes a negative thought. Quick, I'll think of kittens. Kittens are positive. It's. I think yeah. you're you're, ta- you're speaking at a deeper level than that.
0: Absolutely, changing thoughts. It's effortful. Like I have to remember to do that. The, the, this return. Yes, in the beginning, you need to remember it. You, you know, you wake up, you go, oh, I've been stuck in this habit. I've been, you know, uh. You know, saying these same words to my partner that I've said a million times and I'm, I've been angry about it then you can just take a breath and rely and return. But this return is the natural state. Our, it's not our natural state to be caught up in our conditioning. So, so you know, just as we talked about this power in the, the first half, this natural state has a certain power to it because it's real. It's what's absolutely real. So when we keep returning our attention there, it begins to take over and, and over and over. You know, people tell me... Um, a lot that, that they find that what they've been reading in my book is really practically helpful. They keep making this return several times a day when they're caught up, and then there's a clarity that comes and, a, and an allowing and a, 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 a synchrony and a harmony. So that's where we're living, and we're not living in resistance and conflict.
1: I can see how this approach could make a difference in relationships, and I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that,
0: yeah, it, it absolutely can. Um, and what I think, and what I know in my own experience with my own relationship, is what I've learned is that the, the most important relationship skill is to not say anything and to sit <laughs> and reflect within yourself when you feel triggered. You know, there's, there's again, so much, you know, um, lore in the self-help world around relationships. You need to learn to com- communicate. You know, your partner needs to listen to you. You know, that's true. And, and those are really valuable skills to have, listening and being able to communicate well. But more deeply than that, we need to learn to sit with our own experience and not just, view it out into the relationship. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned is when I feel triggered, and I'm not perfect at this by any means, but, um, but I, I've really uh, learned that when I feel triggered in a relationship, that the best thing I can do is stop and say nothing and meet my own experience inside in that moment before I say anything. Because it's not the other person's responsibility to fix my anger, upset, or whatever it is. It's it's really up to me to be with my own experience. And that's where clarity comes. And if there's a conversation that needs to take place, it comes from a calmer place, from a place of clear seeing. And and that then you're bringing into the relationship this clear energy as opposed to some kind of blaming or criticizing or an energy that... Um, that you're wanting your needs to be fulfilled by the other person. It's not the other person's job to fulfill your needs. It's up to you to take a look within yourself at these needs and figure out how you can, in your own experience, make this precious turn that we're talking about to this natural state of ease. That's your work. The relationship is a vehicle to support that, definitely, and then it becomes celebration and icing on the cake. But the happiness doesn't come from the relationship. The happiness, the peace, the well-being, that's our own job to find within.
1: If I am practicing this in my relationship and my partner doesn't want anything to do with it and continues in the same way, couldn't that create tremendous imbalance in the relationship? It does. And
0: those kinds of things happen all the time. You know, I'm a psychotherapist and have been for many years and when a couple comes in and one of the partners doesn't really want to be there, it's, um, it's pretty much a no starter in the therapy could because you need two willing people to work on things. Um, and you know, not to, uh, not to be biased about this because I'm not, but it tends to be men who aren't interested in working on the relationship, although it can be women as well. Um, but, um, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Can you remind me of that question? Just that it
1: creates imbalance that when when there's yeah. one partner who is changing actively changing and the other partner uh is not does not will not uh even start to make change, that creates imbalance and i I think sometimes we can't get past that
0: yes, and that then our present moment experience becomes one of that, so say. So you feel frustrated because your partner isn't being willing to um, to meet you in this place of changing and you know trying to work on things, and that frustration becomes your present moment experience, and you meet that and and welcome that. So the you know it's it's normal in our human world, you know to. Um, you know, get upset about that and try different ways to help our partner to get on board to to find that greater balance. But if it's not happening, then we allow ourselves to come to clarity within ourselves. And that can be a beautiful process. You know, it can be amazing to realize I'm not getting what I want here. I want things to be different than they are because that's basically what's happening. I want him or her to be different than they are. I want this moment to be different than it is. And that's resistance. So when we truly accept this is how it is, this is what this person is bringing to this conversation. This is what they're not bringing to this conversation. This is the reality of the situation then clarity can come from that. When we resist, we get stuck. But when we really accept what's happening, then things begin to open up. And that's when our own journey opens up. And maybe that journey tells you that, you know, this is a relationship that needs to end. Maybe there's a, a soup when you stop resisting and wanting the person to be different, maybe a super honest conversation can take place. Um, you don't know what's going to happen, but it's, you know, I don't want to paint it as an easy thing because it's not. It's a challenging situation when one person wants to work on things and one doesn't. Um, but but it's a it's it's an opening. It's a possibility for
1: uh, it's a step along the path of our own
0: experience if we take it that way. Our own path.
1: As we take responsibility for our experience, for our own path, I wonder if you can take say a little bit about the role of of compassion, because there's a way in which, as I read the book, I could see that I could get kind of detached from the stories I tell about myself, my experience, the feelings that I hold, and I wonder, can I still be compassionate if I am not attached? Are you talking about compassionate with yourself or other people, or both? I'm talking about both, I think, because if I I don't hold compassion for myself, I can't hold it for others either really
0: yeah that's right so one thing I like to say and I really believe this so strongly is the most loving way we can be with ourselves is to welcome our experience to welcome it to say oh this is what's happening this is the thought that's arising this is the feeling that's here right now and to and to not resist and when we don't resist anything any ideas and when we can um, let ourselves return and and rest in this place of being, this place of being is actually a place of no separation, of no division. So when when we believe ourselves to be for, in form, embodied in form, we are embodied in form and there's a certain reality to that and that makes our lives, you know, wonderful and playful and, and we, we, you know, amazing things can happen. But, there's, a, there's an ultimate truth, which is the true nature of who we are is not a person in form. It's, it's something much greater than that. It's the fundamental reality of the whole universe. And in that, from that place, you can look around at all these apparent forms around you and you go, wow! The source of that form is me. You look in someone's eyes, and you go, oh! If you look all the way in and see to the source of that, that's, that's that same oneness, that same freshness, that same aliveness. Every single thing, the fundamental ground of everything, is this aliveness. And when that's realized, the old—it's so there's so much intimacy, so much love, and and it's. Compass- it's way more compassion than when you feel like separate, like you feel compassion for another person. That compassion that we feel for someone else or for people who are suffering or for ourselves and our own suffering, It's the, the true source of that compassion is that oneness, that non-separation. And when we know that for what it is, it's, it's incredibly intimate and incredibly um, loving and, and you can't help but feel for other people. I would call that true compassion because mm. it is it's alive. It's not dead. It's not flat. it's not dissociated. It's, it's very much it's juicy. It's with it. It's in it. It's, 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 um, uh, alive to what's happening right in this moment fully.
1: That's very powerful. And it, that notion of mm, when I am, when I realize that I am not separate from anything that I then can be without fear right? Because I, I can't decide if this is terrifying or actually m- makes me feel fearless. I'm not sure, right? But when yeah. I realize that everything is me and I am in everything, I can see how that changes then the nature, the, the mm, quality. These are all kind of very limited words, aren't they? But I can mm-hmm. see how that changes the nature, the quality of the compassion that I can feel for myself and express then toward other people who I'm not nearly as separate from as I thought. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not nearly as separate from, in fact,
0: maybe I'm so not separate from that it's the same. And it's like, there's no, then it gets, you know, we can get a, a, a little more deep in this, which is there's no time. There's no space. There's no, there's literally no separation. Like the the space between the um, skin on your fingernail and the air around that is is nothing. It's, it is no space, no time, no difference. And in in that realization, there's just pure intimacy isn't even the right word because intimacy implies two things being intimate with each other, but it's not that. It's just pure intimacy, pure love, really.
1: As people read The End of Self-Help, and they, I said to you before we came on the air, right, to me this is a challenging book because it challenges me to rethink some of the things i took for granted it challenges me to be more deeply connected with the stories i tell about myself i tell the stories to myself about <laughs> about myself right it's a challenging book do you hear from readers that that they're afraid this book is telling them that there's nothing wrong with them and then that makes them really defensive
0: yeah um it does i'm not hearing this I actually, one person I did hear a little bit of defensiveness, but, you know, mostly it's disbelief, like, I don't get it. Like, you're telling me there's nothing wrong with me, and I really feel like there's something wrong with me. So, how do I put that together? Um, but but i invite that challenge so i you know great that's a any place is a starting place so that frustration like i really want what you're saying but i don't get it i was there i, I when i've heard you know about the buddha saying there's an end to suffering i didn't get it either and that it begins a search so i you know it there is that potential for that frustration or defensiveness or you know um you know, but, but, I would say, experiment, take it on, see, I don't take what I say is true because it's not going to work anyway. What we're talking about here are not beliefs. I don't want you to adopt a belief out of something that I say. I want you to discover it, to explore in your own experience and know it in the moments of your life and and then you can live it. I can't live it for you, and it's not a belief. so, um if someone's frustrated about it, then that frustration is the starting point. Mm and um and and you know what I would say is, "Are you suffering do you do you want to find a way through your suffering? Are the ways that you've tried already have they worked for you? you know we it, when I call it the end of self help you know people get so frustrated with self help how many more books am I going to buy until I'm done with my anxiety you know how that, so that we need a radical solution like like what's offered here. We need to turn everything on its end, because the things that we try in our conventional self-help world, they, they're not working. They might help a little bit for some period of time, but they're not the ultimate solution. So we need something radical to come in and blow our minds.
1: Well, and it can increase the suffering, because not just how many more books do I have to buy, but How many more pills do I have to take? How many more bad relationships do I have to go through, right? How many more substances do I need to ingest until this suffering is uh, changed?
0: That's right. And those are all solutions from the outside. And I would say then stop looking in the outside and start looking at your own experience in the moment and see what you're doing with your attention that's making you suffer, Mm. Because once you see that, then you can, you know, realize the possibility that the attention can unglue from those problematic thoughts and emotions.
1: Now, you said earlier that you spent a lot of time on the couch, kind of sitting with thoughts, sitting with stories, getting in touch with your body and your feelings. How often as a, as a practice, how often should we be getting in touch in this way, using the techniques in the book? Well, they're tools. I don't know. Is tools right? Techniques right? Use the practices in the book to yeah. examine ourselves in this way.
0: Um, well, for me, it was mostly fear. Um, there was a moment when I realized um, how much fear was driving my life, my choices, my everyday moments, you know, I felt anxious a lot of the time. Not like gigantic. Like I didn't. I didn't have panic attacks. I know some people do, but there was this underlying like, oh, I'm nervous. You know, and I don't know. Thing. It almost didn't have any content to it. It was just this like inner agitation, and um, and I got to the point where I. Saw that, which was really helpful, and then, and there was, and I saw, wow, this is permeating my whole experience. This is what's, this is what's happening in my daily life, and I'm living in this. And when I saw that, every time I, I felt it, I would, I would sit down and I would just close my eyes and just breathe with it and see it and feel it, and let the physical sensations just be, because it was a very physical. Most emotions have a physical component to them, and when you, we don't realize it because we're caught in our minds, but like anger or anxiety, even depression, it had, there's a heaviness to it. You know, there's there's a physical component, and we let these physical sensations be. This is where these emotions they they lie in our bodies. They, the tentacles run deep. They're very they occur very early in our lives, and if they're unprocessed, they they sit there in our and and we go into our heads and we ignore that part of our experience. But sitting there and letting those emotions run through in the form of the physical sensations, and not wanting to change anything or making it different, but just allowing the physical sensations just to come and go and get stronger and less and whatever they want to do. So to get to your question, the answer is as often as possible. I, you know, once I kind of got the fire lit up in me, I was completely committed and it just overtook my life in terms of the people I started hanging out with, the books I read, the, the things I did with my life, things became much more still. There was, you know, I, I was a big doer and I still am. I love to do, but now it comes from a different place. So realizing that all this doing and then you can relax and just bring more stillness into your life. So as much as, as, as you're on fire to do that, do it. Mm. Don't make yourself, though. Really do it out of a desire to really know the truth.
1: Gail, can you let the listeners know where they can get the book and how they can connect with you? Sure.
0: Sure. Um, my website is gailbrenner.com and it's dot rcom It started out as a blog, so I have five years' worth of articles of all kinds on there in the archives. And then there's um, a number of audio, guided audio meditations that I've recorded. So it's very clear how, the, how it's laid out. So you can find the audio meditations, find the articles. And then, um, uh, so... There's some, also some video on there as well so and their contact information if anybody wants to you know, follow up with me, which I encourage. Um, so all of that is on the website. And then um, the book called The End of Self-Help, Discovering Peace and Happiness Right at the Heart of Your Messy, Scary, Brilliant Life is available on Amazon.com. So you can search for The End of Self-Help or My Name, Gail Brenner, and it comes up as an ebook or a paperback. And... Um, those are the ways to find me, and i uh, I'm really thrilled for this opportunity to speak to your listeners because this message is is so important it's it's what's it's the essential message for all of us if we want to be happy in our lives.
1: Mm. Gail, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm glad we found each other. Thank you for for sharing this message and sharing your work with the listeners.
0: Oh, you're so welcome. I really appreciate this opportunity and wonderful to get to know you.
1: Thank you that feeling is is mutual that is Dr Gail Brenner her new book is The End of Self Help Discovering Peace and Happiness Right at the Heart of Your Messy Scary Brilliant Life find that on amazon.com as an ebook or as a paperback go to gailbrenner.com for more information about Gail and her work and of course I welcome your feedback on the show you can find out all about Um, what's coming up next on the show, classes and events and all kinds of good stuff. That's all at KarenHager.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.